Hello friends and folks, and welcome back to Refresh Rate, Scanlane Media's generally monthly uh, media check-in podcast. I'm Six Detmar of the Scanlane Media, you know. The Scanlane Media. <laughs> yeah, I'm Jennifer Uncle from the Scanline Media. I'm Kyrie Page from the sequel that they call just Scanline, you know? Like, if like, you're with Ray Trace, you got to get the fuck out of here. Don't bring Nick's shit in here. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, no, what it is is like first it's Scanline Media, and then a few we do a few movies, and then the Scanline Media uh, shows up, and then after that, it's just you know the the poster just says Scanline. Except they replaced the E with a three. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I guess they would. Mm-hmm. Movies on the mind look. <laughs> At the time we're recording this, uh, it is imminent that we're we're gonna see that trailer of Chris Pratt doing a Mario voice. I guess I'm not even gonna watch. Um, I don't care. They don't. They're not gonna tell me anything that's gonna change my mind about anything. I don't want to see their movie. I know. I I I. The most buzz they've generated over that is like that leaked. Well, that leaked supposedly real image of. Uh, the CG Mario they're using, and it just looks kind of bad. Jen showed that to me this morning. Uh, I was half awake, you know, and, and, you know, just transitioning from, like, you know, from sleep to awake, and I wanted to go back to sleep when I saw that thing. Are you are you referring to the behind-the-back behind shot where people are like, his butt's not big enough? Or are you no. referring, referring to the one that was posted by the guy saying, so I'm from Macca's, right? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Yeah. But the thing okay. is, the thing is, they always send that promotional material ahead of it. Like we've gotten, oh, like, yeah. like uh, Gamespot, like famously has had a number of leaks for because, like, you know, the expectation is, you know, uh, you know, Nether Realm will announce a new Mortal Kombat game so that they can put a standee and a poster in the store day of the announcement so people can pre-order it. But of course, those have to arrive a couple days prior. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I, I. I don't know. I, I still just think that original Mario Bros. movie is fine and fun. Um, they're not going to make it like that. It's just going to be like, you know, Chris Pratt is going to go wahoo once, and then he's going to cough, call it embarrassing, and then it's going to be like, fucking whatever. Going to get a Bowser, he's right behind me, isn't he? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just all the, you know... All the, all the hits. Shit. Yeah. Although they could they could save it with like a single like detail of having whoever like having the model for Princess Peach wear a Millie Vanilli sweater at some point. That would be a deep cut I could appreciate, but it would be funny for me and me specifically. I mean, you know, Carrie can have a present sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Or hope I get something was sick for the past like week and a half. <laughs> I'm feeling better now, uh, folks. And also, again, just a huge thank you of support to our community who was patient with uh, <laughs> me dealing with some stuff. But again, thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, glad you're feeling better. Yeah, I'm feeling all right. Well, now that you're better, we're going to make you talk about media. Okay, well... <laughs> it's in our name, after all. See, now it's Scanline Media, the TV show, but it's a modern prestige TV show, so we're going to spend a whole season not talking about media, but the last, like, frame of, like, the show, of the first season, is us doing the 3 one mark and cut the black. You know? <laughs> That's very artful, actually. 
Yeah, exactly. We'll win like a couple Emmys <laughs> and then um, no one will watch it. <laughs> Who wants to go first? I can go first, get it out of, you know, just just get my, my part done, and then I can just sit back and not pay attention while you two talk for a while. <laughs> God, yeah. I, I probably shouldn't start just because I'm going to be, I'm going to be pretty heated about what I'm talking about. All right, then let's just do six, and then okay. me, you know? Okay. Because I'm, sure. I'm usually the more posy one, so let's, let's. Uh, I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm here to talk about Terraria. You don't think I'm going to be negative, do you? not i'm just it's one of my favorite games yeah Um, you've been getting back into it lately haven't you yeah so terraria is uh at this point an 11 year old game Mm -hmm. from a small currently 11 person studio um that has has failed to make any other games they've published two others um and they announced one and then they canceled it because they're like this is not turning out right so they've just spent this whole time pushing updates for terraria and for about four or five years now they keep being like okay we're pushing the last update big content update for terraria and then they do it again so yeah i don't know it's been kind of a running joke of how terraria will never have its actual final update I, the, the, they put out one called Journey's End, and then they put out another. It's like, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You called your shot. But I'm not mad complaining. about it. But. Yeah, you're not complaining. Yeah. Um, are, no. Yeah. So what have you been doing in Terraria? So basically, what I've been working on... Um, I have wanted to have a... Um, so... I actually got into Terraria like a long time ago and, and had a server with a, with a friend at the time and they kind of walked me through the game and I was, I was a bit of a passenger in the experience, you know, I would mm-hmm. log in and a bunch of progress had been made and they would catch me up. Um, and then I kind of didn't touch the game for a long time. And what made me really get back in force was actually uh, a thing we gave them a, uh, a gimmick award for a couple of years ago, which was the journey mode that they added. Right. Um, so this is basically a mode that is like a, imagine if they built progression into the mechanics of a Minecraft creative mode, right? Yeah. It's it, because like it typically in like a, in a game like Minecraft or whatever, there's either the creative mode in which they give you just like every material ever. It's just like, okay, go and build like, I don't know, like build a giant castle or a, you know, uh, like a pixel art or build a computer, whatever. Uh, but then they usually have a single player, more directed mode, but that's more like survival. Mm-hmm. You got to find your own stuff. And there's usually a couple of objectives. Yeah. Um, and Terraria's solution to this was because Terraria is a game that, I mean, it has crafting and stuff, but it has much more like combat and 
like movement and like boss progression than Minecraft. Minecraft has like the you get well, eventually at a certain point you get like a gliding cloak and it's like oh congratulations. Terraria has grappling hooks and mounts and jetpack boots and wings and a drill machine you can drill through the earth with and it's it it just goes and goes and goes with kind of wild shit. Um and so to sort of pr- to preserve that uh journey, haha. Um their solution was a thing they they call basically research, which is every item has sort of a value associated with it. So, for example, for like a sword, for an iron sword, mm. it's one. If you get one iron sword and you put it in the the, the animation for it's kind of fun because it's like you ever see those YouTube videos of like, you know, like a, a pneumatic crusher. Yeah. It's like that. You put it in a little spot and you press research and it just crunches it and the item is gone. Um, but. If it's enough to fill the research thing, like for that iron sword, one of them, then you can just make as many iron swords as you want now. Like, you can just hit a button and it will generate them. You have passed the test. You have, like, you know, through something. It's like, okay, you've found, like, 100 diamond or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, we're not going to make you scrounge for diamonds. This thing this that you have already demonstrably shown you know how to find and use. Yeah. And it's also like, I mean, back again, back when we were, I was playing with that other friend, like I was building a big like house in the sky made out of glass and the world I was on ran out of sand and I had to, you can port your character freely between worlds, but that meant I had to create another world just to burn it down for sand. And that felt bad. Digital colonization. Uh, exactly. I was like, wow, this is not a great sign mm-hmm. about no. humanity that I'm doing this. Yeah, but, getting mm. six on your like rocket ship going to another world, taking another world, taking all the sand and leaving. Uh but so obviously like for something like as you as you mentioned, like diamonds, there's it's a higher number or like an iron ore. Um and this can lead to interesting decisions, even because like like iron ore, it's like, okay, I get some iron ore and to research it would be to destroy it. And I'm not getting a hundred right now. So I can either be like, I'm going to use this to make something I want right now, or I can invest in the future and lose it. Um, So it's actually kind of a decision sometimes, but more than that, it's just like the, the reassurance of having it sort of squared away. And also mm-hmm. like, uh, I have I have been doing it on a dedicated server that I am I am renting out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing with uh, with Nick, uh, Bottle Crow host. I've been playing a little bit with a friend of the show, Greg, and um, I am generally trying to let them do their own progression. But there are times when it's like, oh, this isn't interesting. Like, hey, you logged on, and I'm in the middle of fighting a boss, and the boss will attack you too. Here is this item that will raise your health to the max, like your maximum health. Just raise it to as high as it'll go so that you won't be instantly killed while I'm fighting this boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have even like temporarily loaned them because, you know, again, they want to they want to um, preserve the 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 journey themselves of of learning some of this stuff. So it's not like I'm just handing them everything I've unlocked because I've played a lot more than them. Right. But it is like, hey, just to get through the night because zombies are attacking, here's a Gatling gun. You'll be fine. <laughs> sure, yeah. And I mean, we talked about it because I, I've been thinking about, like I bought a copy of Terraria, which is interesting to think about because at a certain point it was kind of a joke of like, oh, everybody just has a copy of this game. Um, 
but it's like I'm I'm probably going to join sometime soon. But you know, we talked about this idea of say I don't want to go through the rigmarole of getting a particular material. In theory, six you could just you know you've already unlocked this material, craft ten thousand of them or something, and it would mm-hmm. instantly unlock for me. So it becomes like you said this sort of like it's a more guided thing, which I certainly mm-hmm. appreciate because the reason I never got into Minecraft was like I already have choice paralysis like <laughs> uh, the Minecraft as a game and even Terraria to a certain degree is one of those games of like if you tell me I could do everything or anything I'll just not do anything and it even like I think it even has some other options because that's I feel like that's the main thing right is the research mechanic but there are other journey mechanics that are worthwhile right like uh, you can set time of day and lock in time of day or mm-hmm. speed up time flow. Uh, you can do the same with weather. Um, if you want to, you can just turn on God mode for yourself. And so far, the way I have used that is, oh, shit, I have to go AFK in an online game. Well, <laughs> I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, you can mess with enemy spawn rate. You can change like basically the difficulty setting because when you create a server, you choose the difficulty and journey is one of them, right? Mm. But that makes enemies half of their normal strength. But then there's also hard, or classic and expert and master. And you can just grab a slider and set them to whatever you want them to be right now. Um, I think it just does a great job of saying, like, listen, it, it clearly was created in, in reaction to creative mode and thinking that creative mode wasn't good enough and saying... What if we make it so you can tailor the experience so that, like, there is as much grind or not as you want, and it can be as frustrating or as easygoing as you want, and it can change based on your mood on a given day? Yeah, like, it reminds me a little bit of, it's a uh, classical game design problem of how do you have players self-select difficulty? And it's one of those things of, like, in most games... They usually just give you a difficulty right at the beginning of the game and say, okay, choose your difficulty without even having played a second of gameplay, right? Mm-hmm. And the answer that many designers have come up with if is either A, a sort of like adaptable difficulty mode, you know, a la Resident Evil 4 that changes the encounters based on like how well you're doing or how poorly you're doing, that sort of thing. Or just give the player literally every slider possible and every knob and they'll fine tune it for themselves. Like it's also just a great accessibility feature just in general. Like I, I remember yeah. uh, last year when we played um, the guardians of the galaxy game um, just being like, Oh, here's like all the difficulty sliders go nuts. Like it's not going to lock out story content or it's not going to like, you know, to call you a baby for playing on baby mode or whatever. It was like, no, just give them the sliders. People will make their own fun. And I do think there is a challenge involved in, like, it is easy to give someone all the sliders, and I think that's, like, that's better than not giving them options, obviously. Sure, but then but, choice paralysis again. <laughs> right, right. Like, I do think it's also a thing where it's a good idea to have, like, recommendations, right? And that's a whole complicated thing. Like, when I play... Total War Three Kingdoms, uh, I have it so that every time, like, it's constantly trying to get me to adjust the difficulty, right? Because I have it like, okay, I want y'all to be, like, reasonably good at, like, politics and, like, world strategy, 
but in battles I want y'all to be morons and it's like I, you should really up the difficulty and I'm like you don't understand I am also a moron at this I would get <laughs> crushed yeah. I don't know how to do what, what like infantry lines are you kidding yeah, and sometimes the game's just like hey you want to raise the difficulty here and you just have to be like no I'm having fun I want it this way <laughs> or, yeah. or lower Back it off. Or lo- yeah or lower it or something See, I have always felt the ideal solution is the one that, and again, it's not perfect for every game, but I've always loved God Hand's solution, where it has, like, it just has the meter at the bottom of the screen, and you have moves that adjust the meter, like, you can grovel the lower the difficulty, or you can taunt the raise it, or if you really want to be cool or whatever, just go, like, hard mode, which puts you on level die every single time. Um... I like the idea of that. I don't know that I... I think if you go back to it, you'll find that, like, the fact that you need to spend one of your, like, incredibly rare super meter stocks to lower the difficulty, which will gradually go up over time, and the fact that every time the level ticks up, the difficulty increases by an incredible degree is actually really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Resident Evil 4 kind of had it perfect to the point where people didn't even know it was doing it for the most part. And it makes for, like, very funny speedruns of games that have this. Like, uh, I remember watching a Resident Evil 2 speedrun, uh, one of the, like, GDQ replays or something like that, where the runner was like, okay, I'm going to shoot my gun randomly in this elevator to make my ammo count low and my accuracy plummet so that the game thinks, like, I'm an idiot so that it makes the, the next encounter easier. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But that's, like, in its... But it's back to that idea of, like, players being able to find their own fun. Like, you know, speedrunners, like, look at that sort of thing. And it's like, okay, now I get to fiddle with all these knobs and find routes and stuff. And with, with Terraria, it sounds like being able to fiddle with all the knobs and, you know, and if it doesn't work, fuck it. Just make it, like, another world, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is, you know... I feel like the the one thing, though, is I really uh, I appreciate their choice in Resident Evil 4 to that first house encounter, uh, how the difficulty doesn't change whatsoever. When you overcome it, it's the difficulty never moved at all. You definitely just overcame it. Mm. Are you talking about the thing where people keep pouring out of the village? Yeah. Yeah. When you get pushed in the house. Yeah. The difficulty that's the difficulty is definitely locked at that at that segment. If you overcame it, you did that. Yeah. Yeah. Jen, this is a joke. You didn't. Oh. <laughs> the game got easier. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh. I know because everyone died there several times. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact, I bought it on PS2 and after I just kept dying, I was like, well, this game isn't for me. And I just put it down until I came back to it like years later. I get it. That's like, that part is really hard. Yeah. And, like, really you, you can wait it out, but you have to wait it out for a long time. Yeah, I always just, like, game overed until I had the run where I won. Um, mysteriously, clearly, I just got better at the game. Clearly. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but I'm glad that, like, Terraria sounds like... It's good to know that Terraria is still good. It's still enjoyable. Um Yeah. It's one of those, like, it's like, um, it's on your list, I imagine, of, like, comfort food games for you. Like, everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, here's a game you can just fucking boot up anytime, and you're like, ah, yes, I am home. It is, uh, I'm a little bit sad that Terraria 2 will never happen, Mm -hmm. because they are just incredibly slow developers. Yeah. Uh, 
and they started working on sort of a Terraria, like, I guess, 1.5. Like, I don't know. They said they weren't willing to call it 2, but it was a very different game. And then 2018, they were like, eh, this isn't working, and they just canceled it. Yeah. I I mean, there were, like, I imagine they might have had a little bit of income if they ever managed to get that Stadia port out, but... One, uh, <laughs> apparently the developer got banned from their Google account for no reason that they could they could discern. Right. And, and two, and two, uh, rip the stadia since the last time we recorded. Let me read the last paragraph. It's not that long. It's a couple of sentences. Sure, sure. On the Wikipedia page for the developers of Terraria Relogic. In 2021, Andrew Spinks had a public falling out with Google over the unexplained suspension of Relogic slash Spinks Google account over three weeks prior, losing access to his YouTube, Gmail, and Google Drive. He announced that, as a result, Terraria would not be coming to Stadia, and that Relogic would not release any new projects on Google platforms in the future. A month later, Google settled, uh, Relogic settled with Google on the suspension of Spinks Google account and confirms that Terraria will still be headed to Stadia. End of the article. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what a funny thing. Um, I feel uh, r- real, like, not rip the Google. Well, fuck Google. Uh, they, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, F's in the chat for all the developers who did not realize Stadia was going down and had, were like, dude, I have a game coming out for the platform in two days. Excuse me. Also, hey, like. It, it's clear that Sadia was filling some niche, uh, even for certain developers like Bungie, who were straight up just using it as a work from home solution to test stuff. Yeah. 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 Add it to the Google graveyard, which ironically you can't access because I think of a similar thing. <laughs> Guy getting banned from his Google account. Yeah, the killed by Google person uh, lost, got banned at some point. <laughs> I love. Uh. <laughs> I was talking about dystopias recently. <laughs> it's like uh-huh. we live in the most boring, dumbest dystopia possible. Like at least, at least in like cyberpunk, you buy like I don't know, like fucking UMDs that go in your brain, and you get like virtual lap dances, right? Like here, it says, "Oh, I got banned by a robot from my account that had all my money." <laughs> yep, you know. Uh. Here you have people getting banned from their YouTube accounts for posting their own music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, to keep up this uh, competitive energy, it's probably <laughs> time for me to talk about Yakuza 4. So this is the third time I have attempted to play three Yakuza 4 and the first time I've actually finished it. Um, like, at some point back on PS3, it was one of those PS Plus releases that uh, I had never played Yakuza before. I tried it out. It wasn't doing anything for me, so I put it down. Years later, Yakuza 0 comes out, and I kind of get interested in the whole series. And... Uh, once they released the remastered versions on PS4, I played I played 3, which was kind of mediocre, and then partly, 
partway through 4, I was like, I need to take a break from Yakuza for a bit. <laughs> so... But now you're back to Yakuza for, Like, they pulled you back in. You, you, you're Kazuma Kiryu at the orphanage, and you're being pulled back in. Look, I saw... I, I saw that they were finally releasing the Edo Japan version over here as part of um, their whole um, Kiwami re-release situation. Uh, it's, it's now just titled like Like a Dragon Ishen, yeah, which takes place during what is it the Edo period takes place? It is. It is uh, Meiji Restoration. That's uh, right. You're playing as real Masakamoto, <laughs> right? Yeah, Meiji Restoration because yeah, you're you're part of the Shinsengumi. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like finally, I'm sitting down. Like okay. I have to get through Yakuza 4 so I can get to 5, 6, 7, the works. So I sit down and play through it. And for the most part, I have a decent time because like it's like for 4, they did an interesting thing where they're like, OK, at this time, instead of just Cosmic Kiryu, we're going to give you four protagonists. First one is Shun Akiyama, who is this uh, former homeless person who basically... After the Millennium Tower explosion in Yakuza 1 and all that money rained out, he just spent a lot of time scooping that money up and investing it smartly. And now he's a loan shark with a heart of gold who doesn't charge interest but comes up with unique tests for people to see if they can get the money. Um, and uh, he has this whole femme fatale situation with this woman named Lily who's like, I need a hundred million yen. And like... It's this whole thing where, oh, he starts falling in love with the client, but then finds out the client did terrible things, like, say, murder a few people. <laughs> and uh, after a bit of that, it switches over to Taiga Saijima, who, if you played Yakuza 0, he's basically the person that Majima um, lost his eye trying to protect, more or less. Like, uh... The, the two of them were supposed to go um, gun down this rival clan and basically Majima's superior pushed him aside. He's like, nah, you're just going to let that dude die. You're staying right here, even if I have to stab you to make it happen. And uh, basically you break out of prison with Taiga. He's on the run from the law. He's gunning for Majima to find out what happened and why he like, abandoned him on that day back in 1985. You have a detective character who's, like, a... I don't know if I'd call him a detective, even though this, um... The writing here mentions it is. He's, like, a community... Questionably a detective. Yeah, he's, like, a crooked community affairs person who, like, spends most of his salary, um, like, cheating people at Mahjong and then going back and beating them up if they happen to complain to the police. And uh, he's basically looking for the guy who killed his father. And finally, you also have Cosma Kiryu mi mixed up in this, who... Another wacky predicament for <laughs> Cosma Kiryu. Is, ...is handed a very important plot device and is told, okay, you're the only one here who can go to Kamurocho. And once again, the entire Tojo clan is revolving around you stepping in and figuring shit out. <laughs> and, um, like, I was mostly enjoying it when it was just bouncing between these four stories, though I do think it, the game kind of suffers for it. Like, you level someone for a few hours, like, beat a boss or two, and suddenly you don't have access to that character until the very end of the game. Uh, and it kind of makes, actually, 
completing side stories a bit of a chore because you need to go ahead and complete the side story unless you want to leave it to the end of the game or new game plus. The thing is, like, all four of these stories are relatively interesting on their own, but as soon as the game decides, all right, it's time to bring everyone together and get shit done, it falls apart in, like, the worst way. <laughs> um, there is a scene late in the game where 100 billion yen is on the line. It is just, like, over on the side of this uh, truck in these gigantic suitcases. And there are no less than four surprise shootings in a 10-minute cutscene. You have the bit where, okay, the deal's about to go down, but the person handing off the hostage pulls out a gun like aha you were i've tricked you for participating in this but then the exact dialogue is i've tricked you for participating in this. <laughs> then he swivels around and shoots the person who he was supposedly working with then then another person comes up and pulls out their gun out of nowhere and then shoots that person then it turns out the first person who got shot was wearing a bulletproof vest and shoots another person who then pulls out a gun and shoots that first person for real. And then five minutes later, you get a fifth shooting from a completely different character who also magically survived because the gun was filled with blanks. Uh, can I read? I'm going to read out like a heavily edited version of the plot summary from Wikipedia. Yeah. Sure thing. A offers to return the B, but C shoots him and gives C to D, who shoots him and leaves. E and F fatally shoot each other, and G shoots H when he orders him to... It's just like, will you people calm down? And after all of this, they're like, okay, we have the 100 billion yen back. You know what we're going to do with it? We're going to take that money, we're going to put it on top of the Millennium Tower, and everyone is just going to show up that needs to show up, and everything will work itself out. And it does! All, each of the protagonist's individual villains show up on this fucking rooftop like, okay, this 100 billion yen's mine, dog. And It is a lot of money. All of a sudden, a helicopter appears and, like... Yakuza 1's whole money flying off the Millennium Tower is repeated because they just take the 100 billion yen they got back and blow it off into the sky and then beat the shit out of everyone on that rooftop. <laughs> it's like poetry, it rhymes. And then, after all that happens, when the villain is like, haha, no one will ever believe you that this happened because I'm a cop. Another helicopter shows up and alongside the money just starts dropping extra, extra. This police guy was corrupt as fuck in the exact same street where all the money dropped. Well, see, because that way people are going to think that the falling paper is money and so they'll collect it and they're like, oh, it's just a newspaper. And they're like, wait, what's it say? <laughs> That is more or less what happens. <laughs> or just people are on the ground scooping up the money and then they're like, huh, what's this? Oh, scandal. <laughs> and it's a fourth estate or whatever, you know. Like, at this point, I have played five Yakuza games and they just keep going back to the Millennium Tower. And mm -hmm. at a certain point, like, 
at this specific juncture, I can tell they eventually get over this because there's many more Yakuza games. Like, I mean, they, six I recall is like kind of like a big turning point for the series. Yeah, like, Song of Life is like they kind of figure out like. Not say six games in, they haven't figured it out, but, like, they focus a lot more on the character drama, if I recall. Yeah, like, I'm just watching all this happen, and I'm like, this is stupid, you've just run out of ideas, what am I even watching here? <laughs> and to, to top it all off, like, Akiyama, during his first campaign, like, he has this assistant named Hanachan, who is, like, this comedic fat girl who is, like, secretly good at kung fu or whatever and uh he they changed this for this specific release but the original the original english localization for this game was real bad because it made a joke about no one how no one would sexually assault her if she was in danger um this one this remastered they dropped that which is smart but uh yeah like the way this game ends is suddenly she's back in the office, and now that she's lost weight, she's suddenly a bombshell. Like, suddenly, Akiyama's like, oh, the girl that I loved died, but now the person who's been with me all along got skinny, and now she's great, I love her so much. And it's like, fuck off, video game. Yeah, here's a here's a thing is people were really up like like worried about the future of the Yakuza series with its its creative lead uh leaving to work for Tencent. Um I think I mean it could I think it'll be okay cuz he is kind of a conservative douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Like if Akiyama is a fun character just because he just has a fun attitude towards everything, but he's also like a really awful example of like okay so he, he he's basically a character who's like homelessness is just a state of mind because his whole thing after he gets that money and invests it is that uh he's suddenly just amazing with money and the reason why he tests everyone without giving them any sort of collateral or anything like that is because if these people want this money they'll know how to earn it because everyone earns money this from the motherfucker who took money that flew off the ground from an exploding building. <sighs> uh, don't worry, Yakuza 7 returns to the well of you can just not be homeless if you want to. Um, it's great. He, even when he's losing the hundred billion, like, after initially fretting over it, he's like, eh, I'm good enough. I'll just turn it back. And everyone's just like, okay, <laughs> that sounds swell, dude. You sound like a good guy. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, just I'm I'm looking forward to getting to the later games because like it's obvious that as they went on they started to find their footing again. But uh like going from three to four like just made it obvious that okay Clearly they figured shit out with Yakuza Zero and Kawami 2 and stuff. Because this game, which came up much earlier than that, just kind of sucks. I mean, if I if I know like the kind of timeline, you have um, like the original like you know Ryoka Kotaku games is one and two on PS2, and those were they did fine, they did well enough in Japan, right? And then they switch over to the PS3 for three, four, and five, and that was kind of like a lot of growing pains for like not just like 
them as like a studio for like having you know different storytelling or whatever but also just like the ps3 being notoriously like a piece of shit piece of hardware <laughs> to oh, yeah. work the work on you know and it it like caused a lot of issues but they kind of dialed it in with zero because zero was a ps3 game in japan but then they released zero on the ps4 in the u.s and also on steam and things like that and that's kind of like what in a lot of ways like it's it's fair to say yakuza zero i think reinvigorated like at least the you know you know, like north america's interest in the yakuza series at that point mm-hmm. like it's I think it is the best selling of like the various like like a dragon games. And I could be wrong, but it is certainly up there where they finally figured out like, oh, wait a minute. People just like it when there's a lot of like interesting character drama. Yeah. And like this game does have interesting character drama. It's just there's also times where it just gets flat out stupid. And then you also have things like the ping pong game right next to it, which I don't know if you're familiar with the ping pong slash table tennis game in this six, but, uh, Oh yeah. Okay. So you're aware of that whole thing, basically mm-hmm. where you're just, you're playing ping pong against a hot lady and to get like the instant win shots, you basically have to stare at her breasts when you have the time. Her kimono becomes increasingly undone as the round goes on. If you get one of the heat shots, like the, little ball will bounce against her and she'll go, oh, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Uncle, you cannot voice act any hentai. You do not have the skill. <laughs> yes. There are parts of this game that are like, okay, this is a cool little world. And then the other parts, it's like, what the fuck am I doing here? And that, that mini game like lasts for 30 minutes. It's just 30 minutes of that. It is miserable. Mm-hmm. yeah that's the thing with like the earlier yakuza game sometimes you're just really keyed into what's happening and it's great other times you're running to the fi- to the fifth fucking person in this one beat up map who's just standing at the end of the hallway holding a couch and you get three hits in before running away because he's gonna swing that couch at you and you just keep doing that for two minutes even the good ones have the couch guys. The couch guys become a thing for a while. I mean, you remember they were in Kiwami 2. Kiwami yeah. 2 is a good game. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess I want to say to Jen that um I I didn't finish it and these games are often bad at ending, so I can't promise anything of that on that end. But let me tell you what the protagonists are of 5, right? Mhm. Kiryu, of course. The boy. Akiyama. Uh-huh. Taiga, mm-hmm. a uh, a former baseball player who's now a a, a journalist named Tatsuo. <laughs> okay, and Haruka. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh Yakuza Five is a fucking wild game. There is a long part when you're playing as Taiga where you are just like you make you escape from prison because things go bad in prison. Um, it's not your fault you had to escape. You're doing the right thing. Um, and you get stranded in the mountains of Japan and get taken in by a community of hunters. And it's just like it is just like a hunting sim, like a third person hunting game for like four hours. <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> okay. You have to track deer and like, you know, <laughs> aim your shots and stuff. Uh, it's wild. Also, you have a bunch of like 
taxi driver mini it has the best taxi driver mini game ever mm. because it is not crazy taxi it is the most sane taxi you you get good rewards by driving in a way that is a comfortable ride according to traffic laws and doing mini games to make good small talk that but, sounds ideal okay <laughs> it's good. It's I, good. i'm guessing it's a time skip after this stuff because like hark is still pretty young at this yeah, a bit of one. Yeah. Um, and the thing I want to say to folks writ large, this is a bit of a chiding, right? Uh, if you just heard that and you don't want to play Yakuza based on what you heard of 4, that's too bad. But whatever, you know, you've got, there are lots of stuff to play. If you do want to play Yakuza, I am so fucking sick of hearing people like, oh, but it's such an impossible, like, where could you even start? It's so impossible. It literally isn't in the slightest. First of all, Yakuza 0 is available on everything, mm-hmm. including free. Yep. Don't pretend you don't know where to start. Right. But- Two, if you don't want to do that, you can do Judgment, which is a whole different thing. Three, if you don't want to do that, if you really want a clean start, you can do Like a Dragon, which is starting a new character in a new setting. And then, even then, you can just play any of them, because here's the thing about like multi-million dollar budget video games, is they anticipate the idea that someone might not have played every game that ever existed. Fucking relax. Play a goddamn game or don't. Stop making stupid excuses. Or or you hear that description of Yakuza 4 and you're like, fuck, man, that sounds awful. I'm trying to get through all of them. Fucking skip it. Just sure. read, read a summary and skip it. And yeah. move on to the next track. It's like when you're reading a book or like or whatever. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to watch this episode. I don't want to read this chapter. Just fucking move on. It's okay. I will say Hit the bricks. <laughs> hit the bricks. I will say to your point though, six most of the time I think the recommendation is release order. Yakuza like or like a dragon is the rare exception in which the prequel is actually the place to start. Um most of the time it's like, you know, the it, there's no machete order to to like Yakuza or whatever. Like actually starting from zero here is the really good like place to start. Mm-hmm. But you'd also be, I think you'd still have a plenty good time doing release order, honestly. Oh, yeah. Like, I think Zero was made to serve two purposes, both as an, an, a new on-ramp for the series, but also for people who played until now to be like, oh, interesting to see all this from before. Yeah. So it's like, it's really hard to fuck this up, actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just go with, like, the most readily available version, probably... I mean, at this point, it's Kiwami 1 and Kiwami 2. Unless you want to go to Japan and get the Wii version of Yakuza 1 and 2. Except- or if you want to come over to my house. I've got a copy of Yakuza 2. I don't have one, though. So you'd be starting in 2, and that's a little weird, but it would be fine. It starts out by explaining everything that happened in 1 really fast. And they don't... <laughs> you don't have that guy... Like, you don't have the English dub in 2, which is unfortunate because... Um, it, it, it's not a great dub that original Yakuza, but they do have Mark Hamill as Majima, and it's like that just that just like fills me with glee every time I hear like hear him. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like we're done with Yakuza Corner. Uh, yeah. We're gonna have to start calling. You know, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna have to decide. I would push for Yuga Gotoku for consistency because I think the name Like a Dragon kind of sucks. I, I, we'll have to address this another time. We'll discuss it off the air. Sure. I, I would prefer if they stuck with Ryoga Gotoku, but I understand, like, the reason why they're trying to get away with the name Yakuza, because mm-hmm. Sega of Japan, or Sega of America, 
keeps getting like threatening you know not threatening letters but like just sort of like every time they try to trade like trademark something or like deal with like the f like finances it's, yeah it's wild yeah like getting invoices and like having issues with banks because it just says yakuza on it yeah also and also also plenty of the Get, like a large parts of the games and even entire games are actually not about the Yakuza. Yep. <laughs> and also, and also you have the fan communities trying to sell their stuff, you know, like fan art of like the characters and they have to in like, they, uh, so many like, um, <laughs> Ryoka Gutsuku like fan artists say in the ins- like commission instructions or whatever. It's like, for the love of God, do not write yakuza in like the paypal description <laughs> of what you're paying me for um like oh my god or Rampa. fbi also gets mad at that <laughs> <laughs> they, get, they get mad for different reasons um but let's let's okay how, how me bridge this gap uh, okay something evolving number four going down to three and takoyaki I want to talk about You've Splatoon lost me 3. completely. I want to talk okay. about Splatoon 3. <laughs> Sometimes you have four pieces of takoyaki, and then you eat one, and then there's three. Sometimes it's better not to try. <laughs> That's my transition. <laughs> All right. Splatoon 3! It's been out for a while. Um, they had the global test fire. Well, they didn't call it the global test fire. They called it that beforehand. But they had the open splat fest uh, since before we recorded uh, this episode, and then also the full release of Splatoon Three. It's come out. Daggone! They they they. <laughs> it, it feels in a weird way remiss to say it like, oh, they did it. It's like, no, they actually made it. They made it really good. Like, I am having an incredible time with Splatoon 3, just in general. I don't even know where to start because there is something to, you know, we're talking about like sequels, right? You know, Yakuza 4, whatever. It's like, you know, sometimes like either game series can get in these ruts or they go on these weird, wild tangents and have a hard time like finding their footing or something. And, yeah, this is only, like, the third game in the series, but it really feels like just this really incredible refinement of what they've been doing since that original uh, Splatoon game on Wii U. Um, so funny, that, like, the thing about, like, this series that I actually had, uh, like, I think for my birthday that year, I had my my brother ask me what I wanted. I wanted a... Um, I was living in Japan at the time, so he shipped me a Wii U so I could play original Splatoon. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, like, And I, I have been a fan of the series, like, kind of ever since. But, like, since this new release, I, I, I just love it. I don't know, like, where to start, I guess, is just 
the multiplayer battles, like, to be clear, there has been disconnect issues. Like, people have been, like, talking about, like, it's been tough to, like, play the game, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I'd even say that their, lot, their most recent Splatfest was kind of a disaster because people just kept getting disconnected from their matches and... Like, you had a bunch of people getting stuck in matches where they were fighting against their own team. Like, Nintendo's netcode just isn't up to snuff these days, and it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Like, it's weird. Like, I per, I know I personally have not had that many issues, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, my experience is reflective of all experiences. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think it has been an unfortunate, like, kind of mixed bag for, like, people just in general not being able to play the game um and i think it it may have a large like large one of the bigger problems is um so one of the big changes they made for splatoon 3 is that for the um splat fests which are typically have been like two team affairs like with the new like idol group being a three um three character idol group they have now introduced um three-way battles um as part of it and i imagine that can make it very tricky matchmaking wise to a certain degree like um with any sort of these types of like online games like shit breaks in ways that you just cannot anticipate until you get a lot of people playing um but at the same time like i i they have had a history like splatoon in its developmental history has gotten a lot of like post-launch support especially like patches balance changes things like that because uh believe it or not there is a competitive community for this game nintendo would (laughs) i want to say nintendo wouldn't have you believe otherwise but it's more akin to the fact that they never promote any of this stuff like ever (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but but all that being said i think what they've done with splatoon 3 is like really cool and special um i i think it helps that like the central the central aesthetic of splatoon is you know staying fresh and trying new things right and while this game is like kind of relying on a lot of tried and true stuff you know a lot of the like all the weapons from two are back but they have new weapon types they've made like slight adjustments to the fighting but they've made a lot of other changes that like are really smart and interesting and it helps again with that aesthetic of constant change and evolution like it it gives them the opportunity to just change stuff for the better and no one really complains about it <laughs> which is a weird thing to say but sometimes like a change will happen in a long series and people will fucking hate it right mm-hmm. even if the change is for the better um, I can't really think of any examples off the top of my head, but I think about how, you know, I'm a Street Fighter fan and they've been like trying to get away with some of the, like get away with some of the older character designs and the other like older characters for a long time. And, you know, famously with like Street Fighter three, they just couldn't escape that gravity. Um, but Splatoon is like kind of uniquely set up in that, like if Callie Marie didn't show up again, like, not that, you know, they're great, I love them, but also the ethos of staying fresh means that you have these new characters that can just steal the spotlight and everyone's good with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, like, 
it's just one of the the thing that I find like kind of most refreshing about it is the fact that of all the franchises Nintendo has access to that could be turned into gotcha like fucking microtransaction hellhole like Splatoon 3 is like uniquely equipped to be made in that way like there's a like a, a literal gachapon machine in the lobby of like the multiplayer lobby and this game is like no just pull, just pay for the game and you get every battle pass for the next two years like there's going to be a paid expansion sure but that's like similar to octo expansion where it's just like here's this like paid single player thing um mm-hmm. that's totally like all the like relevant stuff of like maps and weapons and whatever is all just there mm-hmm. and I, I i guess i appreciate the restraint on some level <laughs> i haven't played a ton of splatoon 3 myself i've enjoyed what time i've spent but i feel like i am not particularly worried about nintendo putting gotcha me- a bunch of gotcha mechanics in their console games because i think they are aware that that would destroy this barrier that they have right nintendo as a company has a sort of like reputation and a fan base that will defend them on the basis of listen they're nintendo they just they're just in it for the love of games and making games and you know they just sometimes they make decisions you don't agree with but they're just out here trying to do what's right for gamers and that's not true that's not right? true they're a Absolute. fucking company they're a big fucking company that makes like a billion dollars every year and they screw over people and they don't recognize the union and they fuck people over to be clear right to be clear but this, this <laughs> reputation exists and the moment you start putting gotcha mechanics in retail games it's all going to disappear and they know that yeah i also think that they use their reputation as the family friendly console to uh get a bunch of people in at once so like if they started putting gotcha in that like all the parents who were like my kids just keep asking for my credit card for roblox fuck this i'm just getting them a switch (laughs) like i mean you could still use like can't you still like buy like fucking Fortnite v bucks or something i mean granted that's not their game yeah that's not their game to the but to the point there are plenty there are <laughs> overwatch 2 you know like launched on switch you know the other day you know um but that's not that's neither really here nor there i just i i'm not saying like they they should be necessarily praised for having that restraint but i'm just glad they did because, again, there are so many easy ways in which an accountant at Nintendo would look at, like, the way Splatoon 3 is structured, and you could add all those hooks. And it's just kind of nice that they're not there. Yeah. Um, that, and it's like, it's just, I just find the game still really fun. Um, like, I've played, you know, a variety of modes. i played the, you know, standard Turf War which is nice, which is, like, a really good, like, um, like, lunch room, like, break, break game for me. Like, I kind of talked about last month of, like, bringing my Switch to work, um, on my breaks, and it's, like, that's the, one of the big advantages of Splatoon's, like, three-minute turf war format means, like, you have a very concrete of, like, okay, I have 20 minutes, I can play about four or five games, like, without a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of like really smart stuff like i like the gameplay change of like being able to choose your own spawn point at the beginning 
um like you know within that limited area in home base you can just launch yourself Mm -hmm. and like create new routes and things like that and also deep cut is like one of the best things to fucking happen (laughs) to this series and they're very quickly becoming my favorite idol group um like they've uh if you spend any amount of time online i deep cut has kind of taken over a lot of fan artists in ways that like not that the other two games didn't do this like people love pearl and marina and cali marie mm-hmm. but people adore deep cut i myself included in one of those you know <laughs> like just you know all the like jokes and fan art that people make about these characters my a personal favorite of mine is big man the giant manta ray that stands behind the tv would wear a shirt that says ask me about my pronouns and when asked he would very excitedly tell you he him like it's it's just like these characters are just effortlessly cool but also like i i started playing the single player earlier and uh, you find out that Deep Cut are a bunch of bandits who steal shit. <laughs> it's like, when when confronted about this, like, I think Marie says something along the lines of like, hey, wait a minute, are you the people that do the Splatcast? And they're like, yeah, it's called a day job, honey. <laughs> it is so funny. Yeah. And there's good. Some, yeah. And the music, the music behind the stuff is remains good. Like... The tracks they bring back are and remix are great, and they have plenty of new music too. That, uh, yeah, like this still feels like it's Nintendo's spot to just try wild, inventive shit and see what sticks. But it's like inventive in the way of like the aesthetic of the Splatoon games has always been like a '90s Nickelodeon game show. Um, it just like it's very much steeped in that like kind of i don't even know how you would describe that like not like 90s punk or rebellion but just sort of like you know like 90s cool sort of thing but it's not like winking and nudging about it it's like no this shit is just cool everybody looks cool it's about being fashionable and having cool like weapons that and having fun with your friends which is like just a good aesthetic for sustaining this kind of thing yeah um yeah like i i just like love this series i still on some level wish it was like you had the dual screen mode because i still i found it really useful in splatoon 1 to just like look down and see the map like on the pad it actually felt like a really effective use of that wii u gamepad but then it came out on switch and it's just fine you hold the button and you see the map it's hmm. perfectly acceptable um I, I just, whatever. Um, I, it was very funny, though. Uh, a couple of months ago, I was messing around with um, the Wii U and hooked it up to the TV and um, did some totally legal stuff with it. And uh, <clears throat> uh, you can still find Splatoon 1 matches. Like, it took me a little while, <laughs> but there's still people out there <laughs> playing Splatoon 1. They never took those servers down. Um, yeah. Give yeah, it time. <laughs> give it time. Yeah, no, I'm not saying they'll be up forever, but like, it is kind of wild that you can. I I was in 2022 able to find a Splatoon one match for a game that is eight years old at this point. Yeah, it did surprise me that like Splatoon three ended up like outselling every other Switch game they've done. 
like a oh yeah by like a a magnitude that's like it outsold New Horizons in sort in Pokemon Sword and Shield combined yeah. in its opening weekend. Like not to be like a numbers girl or whatever. That is that's just good for the health of the game though. That means that you're not gonna have any trouble finding matches. Yeah. As long as the netcode is working. Which when it does work, I I think the gameplay is really smooth and plays very well. Also, you don't have to like you can do salmon run anytime, and also the secret best part of it is the stupid card game that I love. <laughs> I don't like the card game. I I I have brain poisoning. You see, I you love put, the card. If you game. put anything on cardboard, Kyrie loves it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, every when I when I am playing the there is a emote that you get if you hit level thirty that is just straight up a Yu Gi Oh like pose, like you are hold like you know your character pretends to hold a hand of cards and play one it's sick um every time every time i play a card i i just in my head i hear dan green going to mention the dice which is just not even like it's dice it's not you know it's from the do you ever yes do you ever think jen that your girlfriend might be a like a building facade right (laughs) where like she you know you look at her dead on and she's a person and if you step to the side and look behind it's just Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Six, I told you, don't tell her. Don't tell her. Don't, don't. Sorry, it was a moment of weakness. Oh my god. <laughs> um, Alright, yes, Jed, I have a confession to make. I am a living stack of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. <laughs> well, I love you just the same. No. <laughs> yeah, like, I like the card game as a thing that's like, gives more texture to the world in terms of like, Okay, these squid kids are so splatfest brained that even when they're just like hanging out with friends, they're like, "Hey, I got some cards. You want to splatfest cards?" But uh, I've I've tried playing the card game like five or seven times, and each time I was like, "Why am I doing this? There's so many other better things I could be doing in this game alone." It it is like a little hard to like kind of wrap your head around at first, like mechanically, but then you realize like, wait a minute, the intention is to build like complete circles around the power cells to like gain those so you can do specials to take over enemy territory mm-hmm. and you have to like build a deck that allows you to kind of easily complete those types of like closed in circles also a pro tip if you have a card that has like the power cell or whatever attached to like the barrier of the field if you surround it like you still get the point so, you know, you don't have to make a complete circle around it. It's sort of like if it's on the left side, it's just like top, bottom, right, and then the diagonals. And that'll give you like the, uh, that'll let you like unlock the more powerful card abilities. See, it's the part where you say you have to build a deck that you lose me. Like, I don't, I don't want to spend. trading card game? Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to think about that. Just give me the cards that win and I'll win. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the fun part the fun part is to like build your own decks and strategies and synergies no fun now, parts now when you people win people can have different things they have well okay that's like a cartoon 
perspective of a of a different type of fake person uh, who's <laughs> unable to appreciate anything except for victory. But people can enjoy different things. Sure. Okay. What they need now for Jen is structure decks that you go into like a shop and you buy like like structure decks and it yeah. gives you like a pre built strategy. What we need for Jen is just to put on her lock screen an image that says you win and she can just stare at it all day. <laughs> Yeah, she's just like, ah, yes, I feel complete now. Uh, I just meant, like, give me the cards, but yeah. <laughs> like, the act of just playing a card game is all right. The part where it's like, okay, you have to think about which cards are good and which cards are bad. Instead of just, like, it's handing like me some random genre. card. Well, no, the part I like is when they just, you, it gives you the I cards mean, like and then you play them. You, if you play, like, if you play Magic the Gathering, you can buy a pre-made deck, right? Yes. This is a thing, so yes. I understand. Sure. Yeah. Um, like, I, I think even, yeah, like, there are pre-made Magic decks, and also, like, if you don't love the idea, like, I, I, I personally, like, I've always enjoyed draft format um, Magic, because it's like, I still have a hard time thinking about that card game, but in a draft setting, it's like, okay... Just by the nature of how that is played, everyone has a deck of relatively equal power. Um, and it just kind of is up to your own cleverness to kind of adapt. Like, you only have to choose between a couple of cards there, you know, each round. Yeah. There's also the greatest card game of all time, Texas Hold'em. And you don't need to think about... <laughs> you do need to think about your cards, but they just give them to you. The greatest card game of all times, Texas Hold'em. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm Jennifer's gonna... like, I would kill someone over vanilla ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did used to only eat vanilla ice cream for a while. I know. <laughs> <laughs> do you think uh, of the like tricolor Splatfest? Do you think they have one queued up of like what is your favorite part of the Neapolitan ice cream? I don't. I don't know how big that is in Japan. Is my only thing. Cause like it is, it is purely subserv. When they did the like the what do you put up on? I'll put on your fries, mayo or ketchup, which was uh, aesthetically a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> even beyond that, it's like, well, I mean, most people but- in the United States have never heard of putting mayo on fries, so clearly you don't give a shit about Western culture. Yeah, I mean, like for like one and two, the Splatfests were like region specific. Like I believe there were a couple of promotional Splatfests in. One and two, that was like, oh, do you like the candy shaped like a mushroom or do you prefer the candy shaped like a bamboo shoot, which is like a promotion with that. Um, what was it like chocolate mountain? Like It was like some like candy brand. Right. Mm. Japan only had was the only one that got that one. And I think in like North America and Europe, there was like the maybe it was also in Japan, like the, you know, Autobots versus Decepticons one. Like, there's a couple of promotional Splatfests that are kind of region-specific. Um, and you can choose your own region in this game, which is kind of nice. So, hmm. um, which is kind of interesting because, like, I don't think it has happened yet. There's only been two Tricolor Splatfests, but I think with the way the regions are now set up, in theory, like, say, like, Shivers team who is, you know, the correct team every single time. Um, (laughs) Like, there is a possibility that in a Splatfest down the road, like, the results for North America is going to be different than the results in Europe or Japan, etc. Sure. 
which is like I think also a pretty clever way to handle it because now you can have the, these really interesting worldwide results. It's like <laughs> like a really roundabout way of Nintendo bringing back the Everybody Votes channel. <laughs> um, which that was a goofy thing that. <laughs> God, the Wii was such a charming console. Like, I was on the... I, except like, for using it. Huh? Except for using it. <laughs> True. But also, <laughs> but also, here's the thing. I was on the Switch eShop earlier today, and I was looking at like all the sales, and I was like, oh, this is boring. I put on a 10-hour loop of the Wii Shop channel music. I was like, oh, instantly the, the experience is elevated. <laughs> um... Yeah, Splatoon 3, it's fucking cool. It's just cool as hell and a lot of fun, and I can't wait to see, like, what's, you know, coming down the road for that because, you know, there's, they said, like, they've already guaranteed, like, yeah, there's going to be two years of, like, content updates, which is great. They say there's going to even going to be paid DLC featuring uh, Off the Hook that they're going to be back because I, I, They're not present. They're not present in the, uh, in the story mode, I believe. Yeah, though when right. you get when you get to the part in the story mode where you see Callie and Marie, you see like an approximation of the original player character from the first two games, and they're just wearing a gigantic captain's hat, and the, the three of them are just posing together like squad and it fucking rocks. You're about to say something about sex. Uh just just that listen, I, I love I love Shiver. And Big Man's alright, but I, I just miss off the hook. I did like off the hook better, actually. I I great. I off the hook is like off the hook is great, but then I like playing the single player mode, like um Fry is like pretty cool. <laughs> and um like, I don't know, it, they're <laughs> I'm just saying that it's they're rising up the ranks, but you know what? All the idol group like the three idol groups so far are still just like some of the best parts of that game and like really completing the you know really like kind of completes those games in a roundabout way like having mm-hmm. the idol hosts like that like kind of set the tone for the game it's great and of course again by changing it and start like striving to be fresh every single time it just means that like from now on they don't have to like like if there's a game in which Callie and Marie retire and never show up in the story everyone would say hey good for them you know <laughs> That sort of thing. But yeah, this fucking yeah. squad. It's cool. <laughs> it is very charming when they show up and you have Captain in the middle sitting on the fucking cooler posing with the two of them and then they do the like classic comedy bit of they do the pose and then they pan the camera way out and they're just standing in this snowfield posing wordlessly and then they just kind of like like Marie clears her throat and says, okay, moving on. <laughs> Um, uh, Marie also the only one sensibly dressed for being in a snowfield. Yep. Yep. Marie's outfit is so Marie is still like of of <laughs> of those two, of the Squid Sisters. Like Marie has always been my favorite. <laughs> yeah. If you like Callie, you're some sort of fucking Genki girl, and get out of my life. <laughs> I just I get just depressed love, or get lost. I just love that. Like in the. <laughs> I think this was a Japan exclusive like Splatfest. I could I could be wrong of like what do you want in a relationship, love or money? <laughs> it's like that instantly recharacterizes Marie in a really cool way. 
<laughs> it's like she's like I'm done with this shit. Just pay me, dude. <laughs> Love her. Uh. Yeah, that's that's kind of like all I wanted to say about Splatoon Three. It's cool. I'm having a great time, and I can't wait to see like it, it is always fun when they announce a new Splatfest theme because like eventually they'll get there with the connection stuff. They'll get there with like the balancing of how like the points distribute. But at the end of the day, it's just a dumb, stupid argument to have with your friends to get really uh, like, you know, uh, overly invested in the idea of bringing a, like a tent to a deserted island is better than bringing food or like, I don't know, Borderlands 2 Game of the Year edition. <laughs> really shows how short-sighted some people can be but you know (laughs) (laughs) that's why shivers the only one made goddamn sense (laughs) i just like i said this what you just like the rock ago style that's like i am with see the thing is last time i was like i'm ride or die with marina and i you have to be prepared for sometimes they do have bad opinions right but it you Listen, if you're gonna don't know how long you're gonna be stuck there, you need a way to continue to survive. Shiver, Shiver just <laughs> said, like, listen, I'll make my own fun and I'll hunt for my own food. You need to live. <laughs> like, this is why they're the like leader of the group. <laughs> it's like, no, you can't just bring Uno cards and survive, big man. Which is again, <laughs> like, like <laughs> just this great characterization for him of just being like, oh, I'll eat the Uno cards or whatever. <laughs> but they have just such a fun dynamic, and it's it's mm-hmm. good, very very good game, very fun. Well, time for our closing segment here. Yep. Uh, this we do we do this generally once a month, and so at the end of the month we like to talk about one thing from the month that uh, we're particularly proud of. Uh, Jen, you want to go first for us? Sure thing. Um, we had uh, Emon, uh, the latest episode of Novel Not New, to get into Tsukihime, and uh, the inaugural fucking Patreon exclusive uh, Novel Not New episode, I believe. Yeah, and like a lot of people tuned in and were interested in what we had to say about it. And uh, that really made me feel good because, like, Novel Nut News is kind of a labor of love from myself and Six and uh, all our guests. And uh, it's great to see that people are interested in, like, what we do, even when we just tear a game apart like we did with Tsukihime. <laughs> yeah, like, we've um, been finding some, like, really good, you know, support and success lately. And that's been humbling and but just good that like you know i don't know how to say i say it every time but thank you (laughs) You yeah yeah thank you um as for me uh this isn't directly related to our network but i was uh welcomed onto the ass ass backwards anime podcast network as a guest uh last month to talk about uh one of my favorite anime like gintama um they welcomed me on and i got to talk about like a really interesting character in that um in that show like a fairly openly like genderqueer trans character um 
in that show and like they it was funny they they, they made this joke it's like no Kyrie, we're not bringing you on exclusively to talk about this but they needed the perspective of something someone that wasn't you know like who wasn't cisgendered to like talk about this character we had like a really interesting discussion about the show and how its portrayal of gender but like um again um shout outs again to the ass backwards anime podcast network um they they said if they reach their monthly goal of 69 dollars a month they are going to do a Yu-Gi-Oh manga podcast so I have already been invited, so I'm just saying, I'm saying, let's just pick up the pace. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, they're great, and I really enjoyed being on their show, and um, good group of folks over there. Um, but I was really happy I could also represent, like, our little, our little, like, community as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. I think for myself, um, I, um, I never plan to do a solo podcast, right? Last time I did it, um, was, uh, Jen and I were going to cover, uh, Metal Gear Survive and things fell through and I ended up doing a solo podcast that was Metal Gear Survive, uh, and comparing and contrasting with, uh, so Survive was the, the game that Kojima's team that he left behind put out mm-hmm. and then, uh, Kojima went on to put out Death Stranding and comparing those two. Um, and that went okay. I got it out the door. I didn't feel great about that episode. Um, and so this, this month, this last month, when, uh, another, another occasion for that came up when mm-hmm. you two ended up, ended up being indisposed, I, uh, I recorded a, a spoiler cast talking, uh, the first half is non-spoiler for anyone who hasn't listened and the second half is spoiler, uh, talking about, uh, my journey so far through Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Um, and it was... Both, I think, I've had some good response from people, but also, personally, it was really gratifying to see that I've just gotten better at this, and I can do it. And uh, yeah. it felt really good to be like, oh, no, like, I still I still prefer having other people on to bounce mm-hmm. off of and hear their opinions, but if I have to, I can do this. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. Good. there is been something nice about, like, you know, the arc of the shows that we've been putting on of just, like, there's in this, like, you know, I, I frequently, like, will just, like, I'll listen to some of our older stuff just to, like, kind of, like, you know, remind myself how, like, how I've improved and how everyone's, like, just kind of gotten better at this. And I think, like, there's a real demonstrable, like, like, I like, listening, <laughs> like, I cannot imagine the juxtaposition of listening to, um like, which I love our old tabletop podcast but like our later ones are also really good in just like that arc of the three of us like everyone just getting better at this mm-hmm. so yeah like it is really gratifying to have that moment of like no we're actually really good at this mm-hmm. um and so yeah and also i am six i is still and deeply appreciative of you putting out that podcast because again I was indisposed and it was a little rough going for a little bit. Um, But the fact that I know that everyone here can hold it down and we can all like do that sort of thing is good to know. Um, Yeah. And, and of course like our really incredible support 
from the people that like listen to us like allowing us to like giving us that grace to like sometimes like a deadline slips or we try something new and it they still support us and it still works so again thank you also, we did cross the funny weed number. <laughs> we, did, we did cross the... Well, we crossed the funny weed number about, like, <laughs> three years ago. Kyrie. Oh, wait, no, that's the other number. That's the no, sex that, number. Shit. The sex number. No, we Shit. crossed the sex number. Ease, that was, like... I. We, we've been long past the sex number, but the weed number... It was so funny. We crossed over, like, 400, and I'm, like... We just, like, sent out some tweets just being, like... Hey, this is like a cool thing. We I wake up the next morning and we've crossed the weed number. It's like, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Good shit, everybody. Now, is the next is the f- next funny number six six six? Well, technically, I think it'd be six one six because actually, if you do a more modern, accurate translation, it's actually six one six, not six six six. See, I've made it not funny at all. That's my gift. <laughs> <laughs> You're a gift. <laughs> all right well uh <laughs> kyrie where can people find your gifts upon the internet besides uh, of course scanlandmedia.com or patreon.com scanlandmedia that's all three of us all three of us at all times uh you can find me on twitter kyrie a page that's where i post things also i'm gonna try something new i did get accepted to like on co-host and i want to post there more often i think i'm just kyrie page on co-host and um, I want to use that a little bit more often. That's, um, you know, much more of like a blogging thing. And it's like, you know, what? Mm-hmm. I like that like environment a little more. And then, of course, there's the Danganronpa podcast. Me and Jen uh, do um, uh, Ultimate Despair Reprise at, um, at you Despaircast on Twitter. Uh, we're we're trucking along through Danganronpa 3 and um, having a big old time with that. And... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of that thing and where it's been. But yeah, that's where you can find stuff on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at JBU3 and on co-host, I'm at Jen hyphen and hyphen Aster. Uh, and if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at 6Detmar, S-I-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R. Uh, I am also the receptacle for most feedback for our work and shows because my DMs are wide open. So if you have thoughts, if you have feedback, just hit us up and uh, I'll I'll pass it along as is necessary. We um, also have that email. Was it emails or email singular? I it's think- emails at scanlanemedia.com. Yeah, that's like other feedback. Whenever we make a call for questions, uh, that's going to be at that um, at that account as well. Um but yeah, we're yeah. onwards and upwards, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, By yeah. the time this has come out, this has been posted, there will be two projects of mine that are up that Jen and Kyrie don't know very much about at all. And that's, oh. that's you get to hear them right now be like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just, I'm just excited. And it's like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. But. Until next time, folks. Peace out. See ya. Later. Till the next cycle.